0: Welcome to the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I'm Deborah Herlax Enos, a small town girl turned TV nutritionist and healthy living expert. I design health programs for the average guy or gal, including those average guys named Metallica. On September 1st, 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I asked every oncologist the same question, why did I get cancer? But none of my doctors had good answers for me. I wanted answers and that's why I started this podcast. I wanna help you to lower your cancer risk and provide self-care tips for those in the battle. I'm getting answers and I wanna share them with you. My big takeaway after my conversation with Krista, the cancer prevention coach, is that your genetics do not have to be your destiny. So even if your mom did have breast cancer, that doesn't mean you have to get breast cancer. So while genetic testing might be a little scary, Krista is very clear that knowledge is power. And if you know you have tested positive for different types of genes that can accelerate your cancer risk, She truly believes that there are things that we can do on a daily basis that can knock that risk down. So listen to today's episode to get all of Krista's wonderful tips on cancer prevention. Okay, y'all know I get super excited about podcasting and today is no exception because today's topic is something I honestly know almost nothing about. And it's about genetic testing and a genetic link to cancer. I think most of you know some of my frustration with being diagnosed with cancer is I had almost no cancer in my family. And the only person that did have cancer smoked two or three packs a day since they were like 10 years old. So welcome to Krista, the Cancer Prevention Coach. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Hi, Krista. This is one of my new Instagram friends. And tell us a little bit about, you know, what you do and why are you so interested in the genetic aspect of cancer?
1: Yeah, so um, my interest started with my own family history. Um, My mom had a history of breast cancer and originally was tested for the BRCA gene, BRCA mutation, and was negative. And then um, over time, you know, we live in this great time where genetic advances are just happening every day. And so they're finding more and more links to genetic cancers. And shortly before she passed away, she found out she had a mutation called the ATM mutation, which gives her a up to 70% risk of cancer and which most likely caused her cancer. So it kind of started there. Um, I had my own genetic testing done and um, am a carrier of the mutation. And so that somewhat started it. Um, I'm a registered nurse. And at that point in time, I just realized There really is not a lot of education in this area. Um, I was not educated on it. I asked several doctors, kind of, where do you go from here? What can I do to decrease my risk? And nobody could give me answers. So I started your research and I took several classes um, Mm -hmm. through integrative oncology and genetic courses and have found that there really is a lot we can do. So I started working with patients and educating and advocating for people in the hereditary cancer community. And most often we're just given the answer, you can do screenings, uh, make sure your BMI is normal and no other guidance from there. So you're just kind of left with a wait and watch answer you know that's
0: and that's and the wait and watch is you know it's not a very offensive or defensive position you're just literally stuck and you're just to me the wait and watch just feels like you're just waiting for the bad news so
1: i'm not really a sit and wait kind of girl so i took things into my own hands and um have seen really a lot of people i i can't tell you how many times i've heard well there's nothing i can do it's genetic there's nothing i can do and Mm -hmm. that's just not true and so my goal is really to empower people with a knowledge of beyond you know surgical options and screenings there is a lot of nutrition lifestyle and um like environmental changes you can make and really have a big impact because we do know that only five to 10% of cancers are linked to genetics and the rest is all environment and lifestyle. So that's really my goal with working with patients is to empower them with that knowledge that they can use to modify their cancer risk and decrease it as much as possible.
0: Okay. So then here's my question. I mentioned earlier that, you know, we have one cancer in our family. And to me, it was, you know, kind of self-administered, which is probably a terrible statement to make. But again, this is somebody who smoked, you know, two or three packs a day, roll your own for, you know, 70 years. So when, Mm -hmm. when do you do genetic testing and how close in your bloodline Meaning, okay, your mom had cancer, but what about like a great aunt? Like, how do you know when it's time to do genetic testing?
1: So most of the time, people who are diagnosed with cancer are offered genetic testing. Um, and in general, th- that is the only group of people who are ever offered it. Um, but we have learned and the um, NCCN guidelines do tell us that if you have a family history or there are specific patterns of cancers, in families that there most likely is a link genetically. So the recommendation that I make to patients is if you have an immediate family relative, a mom, sister, brother, um, close relative, you should be genetic tested in my opinion. So really anyone can be genetic tested. There there is no limitation. If you have no family history, you have the capability of of being genetically tested. Um, And if you have a family history, Oftentimes it's covered by insurance. So for example, my my mother and grandmother were both diagnosed with cancer. And so it was covered for me 100% to have genetic testing done.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Um, I guess my next question would be, can you go mm-hmm. to just your GP and say, hey, I have some family history. I'd like to be tested. And can you recommend, is there kind of a general test that everybody can do?
1: Yeah. So that's actually a very important question because even providers, medical doctors, and don't have a lot of training in genetics. So There are a couple of routes you can go. The one that I recommend the most is you can go and see your primary care physician um, and request it. OBGYNs are also good ones. If you um, are are meeting with them, you can request genetic testing, especially if it's like ovarian cancer or breast cancer. They're the ones that you're usually seeing about those issues. So um, they can order it. It's a routine blood test. They send it to the lab. It takes a few weeks and you get results back. And the the main thing I, I like to tell people is that you do want to request a full panel. So many providers are still ordering a single gene. So like the BRCA mutation, if you have a history of mm-hmm. breast cancer, they're only ordering that gene panel. And you want to request specifically to have a full panel done so that it's, it's including every possible Known mutation at this point in time. Okay,
0: and does I that make sense? It does. And you you mentioned mm-hmm. at this point in time, which makes me mm-hmm. believe that this this category is probably being updated regularly with new genes.
1: Yes, yeah, they're finding new genes every day. So wow. um, many people are being tested and then not having any kind of genetic link, and later on finding out that in fact there was a genetic link. We just hadn't discovered it
0: yet. Really? Okay. Wow. Um, You also mention on your website and your Instagram um, stories um, about inflammation. And Mm -hmm. I talk about inflammation a lot. Can you tell us more about inflammation from the perspective of you're a cancer prevention coach and a registered nurse with a significant family history of, of cancer?
1: Yes. Yeah. We, we know for sure that inflammation has a direct impact on cancer growth and progression. And, um, it's, you know, inflammation is a good thing in so many ways. It's part of our body's normal response, immune response. And it, you know, is part of keeping us from getting infections. Um, it reacts to any really environmental, um, irritant that we have or come in contact with. And so it's a good thing. It has a, a important role in our body. The problem comes when it is chronic or long-term. So when we have chronic long-term inflammation, um, a couple of things happen. Number one, it generates substances that damage our own DNA. Um, and so that's not a good thing, right? DNA damage leads to cancer, we know. So number two, it does increase the rate of cell division. And so that's kind of our body's way of attempting to repair that damage as fast as possible. So any of those irritants or infections or things that we come in contact with, our bodies increase that rate of cell division, um, which leads to increased genetic mutations and um, again leads to cancer. Um, The third one is angiogenesis, which is a tumor's ability to gain its own blood supply. So... Um, It will. mm -hmm. So inflammation kind of triggers the growth of blood vessels that supply those tumors with the nutrients that they need. And um, we don't want that, right? We don't want to feed.
0: (laughs) We don't want that. So it sounds like what you're saying is inflammation can accelerate cancer growth and, and actually make your body a nice place for it to grow is that a weird statement but so i i
1: will compare it to a garden
0: sometimes and <laughs> our body is like our
1: soil right and if you have healthy soil in your garden, your plants will grow and flourish. And you probably know this your gardener, aren't you? And if your um, soil is unhealthy, it is going to be more welcoming to disease. So inflammation is one of those things that makes our soil unhealthy and allows for that cancer growth.
0: Are there tests for inflammation? There
1: are some labs you can do and some that there, there are many that I monitor in patients. Um, they'll bring me their lab work and we kind of go over them, but. Um, So yes, there are things you can do to monitor, but there are also signs and symptoms, which I try to educate patients about because those are the things you're going to notice on a daily basis, right? Different um, inflammatory triggers and signs and symptoms. So if you are somebody who has a recurrent infection, a lot of times I'll see patients with recurrent UTI infections. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a sign of inflammation. Um, Any digestive disorders or mood disorders, um, skin problems, joint pain, allergies, fatigue. These are all signs and symptoms that there is inflammation in the body and something that we can address and we need to find the root cause of and kind of go from there to eliminate inflammation as much as possible.
0: Wow. Okay. So if you're experiencing frequent UTIs, which might be what, like every month or something or Mm -hmm. psoriasis, you're talking about some skin stuff. Yes. That is definitely one that is an inflammatory condition. Interesting. Okay, so then this might be another question for your GP when you go in for your yearly or get blood work. Hey, you know, can you can you test me for inflammation? Yeah,
1: or if you notice any of those signs and symptoms, um, trying to. Find somebody who can work with you to decrease and eliminate mm-hmm. as much inflammation as possible. Hmm.
0: So, Krista, if somebody comes to you and they're one of your cancer prevention clients, what kind of advice do you give them? Um, maybe in this inflammatory area that we're talking about, because maybe they do have the psoriasis or you know the frequent joint pain. What are the maybe the top two or three things you might recommend? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So there are definitely some specific things we start with. One is going to be to eliminate inflammatory foods because that's going to be a, a big trigger of inflammation. So things like refined sugar or processed foods, um, sometimes dairy, um, refined grains, and um, even processed meats, bacon, deli meats, um, everyone has different triggers. And so it's important to work with someone who's going to do a, give you a personalized approach in, in finding your specific causes of inflammation. But those are some of the big food triggers of inflammation. Another thing that we work to eliminate is any stress. On your body in general you know a lot of us are under a lot of stress in this day and time we in general we just live at a high stress level so that's an important one that is a trigger of inflammation and that could be something from a previous life experience even as back as far as like childhood um that have led to an inflammatory response and um So those are things we work to decrease is your stress level. And then the third one that I focus a lot on are any toxic exposures. So that's going to be things like a history of antibiotic overuse. So if you're overusing those, you're going to have decreased gut health. And that leads to a whole myriad of other problems. Um, Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So any Mm -hmm. drugs, tobacco, alcohol, environmental things in your household, cleaners, um, water quality, air filters... All of mm. these things, you know, everything's
0: connected. And so... Everything is connected. And I'm, I'm assuming you're probably going to throw mold into yeah, that yes, as well. Yes, mold is
1: definitely a big yeah. one.
0: Yeah. It is, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. I live in the Pacific Northwest and, um, you know, there's a lot of rain here. Yes, you probably have a lot <laughs> of mold there. Some, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of moisture around here. So interesting. So just to kind of um, repeat for my own... Um, knowledge here. So when somebody comes to you and, and this is like the top three things you're hitting. So you look at their food, you look at their stress levels, and then you look at environmental toxins. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: And we also, it's important to remember too, to make sure you're getting enough of the good stuff. We focus in our culture in general, we focus a lot on removing things, you know, diet culture, especially we have learned to remove, take away, decrease all of these things. But it's important to remember that you need to add the good as well. So things like fruits and vegetables and um, all of those plant sources are going to be giving you more um, cell protection. So we've seen that plant foods, specifically fruits and vegetables and things with lots of color, mm-hmm. you know, you'll know, you hear people tell you, eat the rainbow. And it, it is very important because you're going to gain a lot of protection from those plant sources um, like polyphenols, um, flavonoids, and things that are actually protective to your cells mm-hmm. and so that's even more important for someone with a genetic mutation right You're trying to counteract all of the bad that all of the damage mm-hmm. from your DNA um, with all the good so
0: interesting so a heavy produce or plant-based diet it sounds like you're recommending. Yeah. So
1: even if you're not eliminating meat completely, I would definitely say you want to make sure that the meat is good quality, grass fed, free range, um, organic, if you can do that, you know, and then definitely add a lot of the fruits and vegetables and other plant foods.
0: I think you all know how much I love ButcherBox. Probably the biggest driver for me is the quality, and I love that ButcherBox focuses on small family fisheries, so they know who's fishing the, for the sockeye salmon, and they also focus on small family ranches where, again, they visit these ranches and they they know that these animals are being treated humanely, and that is probably my biggest driver. I also had many of you reach out to me and tell me, hey, I want to try ButcherBox, but I don't want to commit to a full year. So I have great news for you. You can go ahead and use my code And sign up for as long as you want. Of course, right now we're doing the free bison in every box and you still get the free bison in every box and $20 off of your first box. So all you have to do is go to butcherbox.com forward slash Enos and then use the code Enos and then you're going to get $20 off of your first order and then free bison in every box for up to a year. This is a great opportunity to just try out ButcherBox without having to commit to 12 months. I have to tell you, I get so excited when I get that delivery box at my front door because I know it's going to be incredibly high quality protein that honestly I can't get at any supermarkets near my home. So give ButcherBox a try. I think you'll love them. I'm a big believer in super high quality animal protein. Boy, it just—if I mean to me, it's—it's it's like taking a vitamin pill. Yeah, when I mean, you can get that really great grass-fed beef or bison or wild Alaskan salmon, which we get a lot here because I'm in Seattle. Back to the food questions. Um, so you're you're probably advocating, and it sounds like a lot of produce. Tell us um, how important is organic. Organic and non-GMO, how, how important is this in the genetic risk or even just cancer risk in general category? Yeah.
1: So this is a hot topic in the cancer community, right? I don't know if you've done any research on it. Probably you have, but I've heard a lot of nutritionists tell patients it doesn't matter. And so my stance on this is a little bit different because coming from someone with a genetic mutation, you're trying to, you really want to just not add any more insult to injury. And so right. my stance is this. Um, if you can, why wouldn't you? Some of the big arguments in favor of eating organic are because they're higher in those polyphenols and flavonoids, which we were talking about, and lower in pesticide residue. And so there are arguments on the other side of that that say you can't really prove that. They're still using you know different pesticides and things. But the goal is really to decrease your risk as much as possible and if you can get any benefit from that why wouldn't you so i tend to err on the side of caution and say even with arguments arguments that right. are against it i mean i still think that there is a lot of benefit you can gain mm-hmm. from eating organic
0: right and i remember years ago when i was in college and i was getting my health science degree and i have a health science degree and a minor in exercise physiology and i was just geeking out about All of the nutritional information I was getting. And back then, organic wasn't really a thing. So we're talking, you know, late 80s. And I remember reading the um, government stance on iceberg lettuce or just lettuce in general. And it was something along the lines of if you're eating, you know, a head of lettuce a week, You're fine getting just conventionally grown. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm eating a head of lettuce a day. So what does that? What does that do to my risk? And that's really when I made the jump to finding produce that was local, going to farmer's markets, trying to buy organic. But of course, I was also a college student and then this was post-college when I didn't have a big food budget. So I had to really get creative when it came to buying organic and not blowing my budget. So what do you recommend to your clients who maybe budget is a big driver when it comes to purchasing organic?
1: I, my recommendation is to try and buy organic if you can. Um, if not, you're still going to get benefit from the fruits and vegetables and other plant sources. And so whether you can do organic or not, definitely adding, I recommend eight to 10 servings a day if you can, because you want to add as much good as you can.
0: Mm-hmm. And what's a serving look like?
1: Um, so a serving size is usually half a cup to a cup, depending on what the the vegetable you're eating, okay. <laughs> the fruit and vegetable you're eating or grain. So it's going to vary a little bit, but um, in general, that's what I shoot for, half cup to a cup.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. And there are some resources. Um, Is it Environmental Working Group, I think, and they have the, the clean... Oh, what is it? The yeah. clean 15 yeah. uh-huh. and dirty the, dozen. the dirty dozen and the clean 15. Mm-hmm. And I love that resource because, like I said, even when I just didn't have a pot to pee and I had a terrible food mm-hmm. budget, I could go to that website and think, oh, okay, well, strawberries I need to always buy organic, but avocados and bananas, not so much. And so there are some really good resources. And I think it's really important. Um You know, with the food prices these days to figure out how can you make this work where you can, you can feed your family as cleanly as possible. Without busting the bank. And I think there's also services like Imperfect Produce where some of these things are just not pretty, Mm -hmm. but they're organic and they haven't lost any nutrient content because it's not the prettiest apple at the supermarket. And then one of the things I love is, you know, I'll look at local farms and they often have delivery and they'll come into, you know, Seattle once a week and you just go down there, you pick up your basket that you paid for and you know, you've got great organic produce. So I'm a I'm a firm <laughs> believer in organic, but I'm also just a firm believer in eat as much produce as you can because it just does such great things for your body. Yes, I agree. Yeah, those are great resources. So, Krista, you talked about stress and um I mean, goodness gracious between COVID and, you know, just the last few years and politics and TV and news, stress is probably at an all-time high. So where do you jump in with your, with your clients and say, okay, here's, here's what we're going to work on this month when it comes to stress?
1: So it's going to be different for each person. Obviously, identifying the source of their stress is the first step. Um, and sometimes it's something as simple as sleep, causing additional stress on their bodies. Um, especially in the environment that I work, we have a lot of night shift people, right? As a nurse. So that's a big one. And I have worked with so many people who have done simple things like just adjust their sleep schedule and um, have seen dramatic changes in their health. So depending on you know the person, it's, it's going to vary, but sleep is a big one. Um, it's a lot of Trial and error, really. So um, environmental changes we'll make. Um, what kind of detergents are they using? Air filters, cleaners are a big one. I've even had patients yeah, who are. have had the plug-in air fresheners. will only plug them in certain times of year. So like fall, right? And so we'll have symptoms from that. And, and by just eliminating different things from their environment, we have found that even air fresheners have caused some serious symptoms. And so when they removed that, it was a big help. So, um, environmental stressors, um, that's a big one. So, yeah, just it varies by the person, really.
0: Right, I can see that you know because you know, there are some people maybe their stress is chronic, and I would define chronic stress as you know it's a daily stress, and so maybe you have a horrendous commute every day or maybe you're taking care of an elderly parent and they live in it's your home, yeah, that is that is a chronic stress you just it's so hard to get away from it, and then you have more episodic, you know it's just. Every now and then, you know, you just have this, you know, big reaction, a big stress reaction, and then it kind of subsides. So, I can see even with my clients and in my own life, you know, there are things I do on a daily basis. And for me, for stress, I, I start every day with grounding. So, I get up, I do grab my cup of coffee, I'm trying to wait a little bit, but it's not working. I just, I, I, I wake up for coffee grab a cup of coffee, I go outside barefoot, and I just stay in gratitude, praising God for my, you know, my healthy body, my eyesight, my I can hear, I can see, I can smell. And for me, that just sets an intention for the day of staying in gratitude. But there's also so much interesting research these days on grounding and walking around barefoot or being in a Body of water, you know, like jumping in a lake or being in the ocean and how that can lower levels of inflammation. Yeah, those
1: are all good ones. I love that. The water is a big one, actually, for me personally, and grounding. There is a lot of research that people don't know about. So I love that you use that as part of your stress relief. Um, Everyone has their own thing. A lot of people that I've worked with love yoga, and I recommend deep breathing to a lot of people who may not have a spiritual practice that they prefer. Deep breathing actually helps a lot too. Mm. So it's
0: another. And if you have some resources for that, I can add that into the show notes. And that would right. be great because, I mean, I'm going to confess to you right now, Krista, I... I suck at meditation. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to do, it's right? It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. And I just stink at it. And I've tried and stopped and failed so many times. And so the way I look at meditation now is I do a moving meditation every day and it's kind of my gratitude list. So again, I'm walking outside. I'm grounding. I'm praising God for, you know, all the blessings in my life. And then when I get into bed at night, I, I will put my hand on my stomach and I'll go through just a series of breathing exercises that I've just kind of, you know, gleaned over the years. And that seems to work for me. Of course, we can always do better, right? Yeah. So maybe you can help me. Yeah.
1: One of the big <laughs> ones that I recommend to clients is um, the 4 8 method. Have you heard of that?
0: Mm-hmm. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah. yeah. So it's just it's just an easy deep breathing exercise. So if you're stuck in traffic and you're somebody who has a road rage or you're at work and just having a hard day, it can really be done anywhere. So you're just going to breathe in for four seconds, um, hold for seven seconds, and then breathe out for eight seconds. So when you do that, you know, for a minute or two and and usually that actually that can help wow. a lot.
0: Would you would that be one you'd recommend, you know, either starting your day or ending your day with that type of breathing? Definitely.
1: Yeah, okay. I actually do it. Personally, I use that every day. I have a a swing on my back patio. And so that's that's kind of what like you talk about grounding that. It's kind of my practice every day. Personally, mm. I go out and sit on the swing and do do mm. some deep breathing. <laughs>
0: Oh, That's a great visual. I love that. Because I think also that movement Mm -hmm. is, you know, I think about that, like when I'm, you know, on a train and you're kind of rocking back and forth. Is there, there's something maybe about movement and breathing at the same time? I've never really put that together and just until just right now. But I always seem to kind of chill out. Yeah. Yeah. There probably
1: and, is. Yeah. yeah <laughs> there must and, uh, be. Maybe
0: we need to do a research study.
1: <laughs> Maybe we should. Yeah. So the big thing is really just finding that what brings you peace, mm. the most peace, and adding that as much as possible into your life.
0: That's a great question. What brings you peace? What brings you peace? <sighs> what brings me peace? There are a lot of things. I think, um,
1: in this sense, being able to take back the control from, of my health and having that knowledge and knowing um, going from overwhelmed to empowered has really brought a lot of peace to my life. And one of the reasons I, I like to share this kind of information with,
0: with others. Oh, that, that is. How about you? Hold, <laughs> let me just geek out for a second. That is absolutely incredible to go from overwhelmed to empowered, of course, that's going to change your outlook and, and the level of peace you have inside of your body. Wow, that's a, that's a good word for me. What brings me peace? Lots of things, but I will say probably the most important for me is how I start my day. If I start frazzled, I stay frazzled. If I start in peace and gratitude, then I honestly can stay in peace and gratitude. All day long. And then here's another thing that's been so interesting. I've been doing lately is I will, I wake up and for whatever reason, I just feel like God's been giving me this word every day. Like maybe it's peace. Maybe it's gratitude. Maybe it's fruitfulness. Maybe it's peace. And I think about that word throughout the day. And how can I incorporate that more in my life? Like the other day, it was generosity. And so throughout my day, I just thought, how can I be generous with this person? How can I be generous with myself? How can I be generous in line at the local coffee shop? And at the end of my day, I just was so relaxed. And it allowed me to hit the pause button multiple times during my day. So maybe people just pick a word that, is just important to them that day and they see how they can incorporate it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I love that. Yeah, I'm going to use that
0: for sure. Okay, it's, it's been fun. And it's been, a for me, a great stress management tool for the last couple of months. Mm-hmm.
1: Good refocus.
0: It is a good refocus. Mm-hmm. And if we don't mm-hmm. have something to focus on or refocus on, we will, I think, get caught in our circumstances. And our circumstances are usually not peaceful. So Krista, this is the question I often end with and it's it's actually the reason why this podcast is even in existence. What can I do today to not get cancer again? You add the good. Start by
1: adding the good. That's always the first step. Um, um, one thing at a time. It's it's not something you can do in a day. Your cancer didn't form in a day. So it's going to take longer and, and those changes take time and just remember that a step in the right direction is, is going to go a long way. Okay, one step. Um, people often think that it's a straight line to get to your goal and it's not. You know, It's going to be up and down and back and forth. And, and the important thing to remember is that as long as you're on the right track and you're making an effort to implement those small changes every day... Even the small things make a big difference.
0: Oh my gosh. I, I just love this podcast. Thank you. I, I, uh, I feel like my, my takeaway with you is, is vast but simple because you've really broken it down into really some simple things that I can do and that the people who've listened to this podcast can do. So Krista, thank you so much for coming on Why Did I Get Cancer Thanks for having me, Deborah. It's been a pleasure. It's been so fun. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I've got my shopping guide for all of my cancer self-care items in the show notes, along with information about today's guest and our show sponsors. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. Keep in mind, I'm not a doctor, I'm just a gal that got diagnosed with cancer and wanted answers. If you need medical advice, please be sure to consult with a medical professional. And thank you for listening.